Now, when we left off, we've been on the subject of parables of Jesus. We're going to do that this whole season. And so the question became last week, which why did Jesus speak in parables? Why did he do that? And I indicated to you that he did that because the religious elite effectively blasphemed the Holy Spirit. Blasphemed the Holy Spirit, meaning that they were in the presence of God himself, that they saw the power of God, they saw miracles taking place, the dead being pulled out of their graves, the lame, the blind being healed, and they stood right next to it, seeing it. And after seeing it and knowing everything that they should have known, because they were, in fact, the religious elite, they blasphemed the Holy Spirit by saying, this is not the work of God, it is the work of Satan. Uh, And Jesus, Jesus pronounced judgment on them at that very moment, indicating that what they did was the unpardonable sin. All sin is forgivable, even those who have innocently blasphemed Jesus Christ. But the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is not pardonable. And Jesus said, in that age and the age to come. And so, as, I, as we drill down and understand what this means, it means some people who should have understood, should have known, and in fact knew that they were in the presence of God and in the presence of the Holy Spirit, not only chose to denigrate it, not only chose to deny it, but obstructed other people. There were people there who were ready to come forward and accept God, accept Christ, and they obstructed it. And so that is an unforgivable, unpardonable sin. Uh, and so uh, it's, it's, it's not the kind of sin that you would see in everyday life. It's rare. There are th- some theologians that believe that that was a sin that would only take place then, that you had to be in the presence of Christ uh, himself. Uh, I don't think that's true. I think that when Jesus said in, the age, in this age and the age to come, I would infer from that 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 was a sin that would go on, not just for those people who had sinned, but go on uh, to where people in this present age can do that. Uh, because there are people who have, have experienced the presence of God. They've experienced the power of God. They've seen God working. And when that happens, not to accept that, not to be open to that, but to refuse to accept it and walk away from it, well, there's got to be a judgment, you understand? There's got to be a judgment. And one of the things that we learn about Jesus is that Jesus does pronounce judgment. Now, when he came to this world the first time, he came to save and not to judge, uh, with that one exception. But when he comes back the second time, he comes to judge. And so we're going to see that Jesus will be a judge. So the first time he came, he came as a baby in the manger, incarnated as a baby in the manger. But when he comes the second time, and all of us in this room are going to be behind him when he comes on that white horse. It's an amazing sight that's going to be. And he will lead us back to this world as he will take this world back in the second coming. And he will pronounce judgment. Judgment. And it says that a sword will come out of his mouth and all the enemies of God surrounding Jerusalem, surrounding the Jewish people, surrounding the, the residual group of Christians in this world will be destroyed instantaneously. Can I get an amen for that? Amen. You can believe that. You can take that home and, and absolutely trust that. It comes right out of the Bible. So 
knowing all this as a preview, and so knowing that Jesus now would not, would not give regular sermons, he would no longer sermonize, uh, because God had determined that he would pull the curtain down on those people who had denigrated the Holy Spirit, who had opposed Jesus Christ, and now they would no longer receive the truth. Um, And so the way that that was done is God would speak in parables. Jesus would speak in parables. And it would not be clear. It would be uh, obstructed, obfuscated. They wouldn't understand it, you see. But only those who had an open heart and desiring to hear through the Holy Spirit, they would understand it. So here you understand exactly what God is doing. God is giving to those who are poor in spirit, humble, submissive, accepting, loving of God. He's giving them the keys to the kingdom and giving them the mysteries of the, of the uh, spiritual life. And to the others, it's closed down. They would not understand it. They would never get it. And that's how God wanted it. And so you see how God operates. And so shortly after the, the uh, clash with the Pharisees, uh, Jesus was close to shore at Galilee, and he went out of, out of where he was, and he sat by the sea. And it was typical of Jesus to sit by the sea. And I had the, the uh, honor of being in Israel, and I saw how that is. And typically, in these areas where Jesus would be by the sea, the hillside would come up, and it would make almost like an auditorium. Uh, and as obviously, Jesus is on the water. His voice is carrying, and that's why he would do it. And so Jesus begins now with a, a parable that's very familiar. It's the first parable he gave. It's, you're going to find it in Luke chapter 8. Luke chapter 8, <clears throat> verses 5 to 8. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on, and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground, and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns, which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. And by the way, a hundred times was an incredible amount of times. It was extraordinary. You would never hear that in that normal economy. Effectively, that means if you spent a penny, you'd get a dollar back. And it was an unbelievable return. Uh, Then when he said this, the reading continues, he called out, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. That was the pronouncement of, of Jesus. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. You're hearing this, consider deeply what Jesus is saying. And so we're doing this. Today, Now, nobody at that time would have been mystified by this story. Uh, fields in the first century were long, rectangular plots. They weren't the kind of fields that you see today. They were long, and they were narrow. They were rectangular, and they were surrounded by footpaths, or in some cases, fences. And that's why we know that Jesus and his disciples walked along them, and they would pick up from time to time uh, those uh, kernels that were outside of the field that were on the wayside. And so the kind of methodology that you would use to sow the field would be a broadcasting methodology of your hand. You take the seed and you cast it on your hand. You cast it. Well, you can understand 
by doing this, you were doing the best to cover the entire field, but besides covering the entire field, there would be some overlap of the field. That was typical, that was understood. Uh, but the idea would be no margin of the field would be left unseeded. Now, it is impossible to throw seed like that and have it stay within the boundaries of the field. It's just impossible. It's not the nature of what it would be. So inevitably, some of the seed would fall outside of the field. Uh, And so only the seed that would find its way onto good agricultural ground, quality ground, ground that had been plowed, Ground that, ground, uh, ground that would, be, would have been prepared will grow. Now, this parable is focused on the ground. This parable assumes that all of the sowers, everybody sowing is the same. There's no differentiation between the sowing. There is also, in this parable, no differentiation between the seed. And we will learn later that the seed is the word of God. And so here's the point that we understand right up front. If the seed is the word of God, and in this parable, all of the sowers are considered qualified, what does that mean? It means it's your responsibility to spread the word of God. And so even when you think, I'm not qualified, I'm not as good as Billy Graham, I'm not as good as this preacher, but God looks at you and says, you're a qualified sower of the seed. You understand? It's important to recognize this. If you don't learn anything else today, I want you to know that. You all are qualified sowers of the seed. God is, yes, you can clap for that, Mike. I absolutely agree with you. Yes, all of you, all of you. And I want you to feel this way. So don't just look at me and say, oh, if I could do this, what he's doing. God has called you in your own domain. You have your own field to plow your own field uh, to plant. And this becomes an important recognition of what God calls us to do as Christians. Now, in this parable, there are four types of soil. And I would submit to you that, that this is a microcosm of the people that you will face in this life, the people that will come to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. And Jesus, in his brilliant way, has synthesized this into four types of soil. Now, the first type of soil is found, is referred to as the roadside soil, the wayside. Uh, And this soil uh, is unplowed. It is untended to. Uh, And in these arid climates, this soil is as hard as concrete. All right? And seed that lands there has absolutely no hope of penetrating the soil. It cannot penetrate because the seed needs to have a spot where the soil has been opened up, where it's watered, where it's moist, where there's depth. And concrete soil cannot in any way, cannot in any way receive the seed. And so when you go through life, there will be people that you will come in contact with whose hearts are like concrete. Don't tell me, I don't wanna hear it, I'm not interested. I don't hear, I don't want to hear what you think about the gospel. I'm okay where I am. I'm a good person. Okay? I'm good. I've got it covered. Well, effectively, that's the nature of the wayside soil. Now, the second kind of soil that Jesus refers to uh, is referred to as rock. Well, it's not really rock. And when you study this theologically, uh, theologians 
have demonstrated that what it is, it's soil that looks pretty good from the surface, you see. Uh, it appears to be good soil, but just underneath the soil is a layer of rock. Uh, and so such a shallow layer of soil is not deep enough to stay moist. And so although the, the, the seed goes out uh, and it appears to germinate, uh, in such soil, it almost immediately withers. There's no depth there. There's no solid depth to receive the word of, of God. And so the, root, the, the seed cannot get past the rock layer. And again, you're going to find people like that who maybe initially listen, but underneath it all, their hearts truly are not open and obedient to the work of God. You're going to find people like that. Now, this kind of soil is the bane of a farmer who would have done everything to plow the field, who would see it and look and see as if it looks to be decent soil, but he would never know if a layer of rock is underneath. You see that? You never know. You never know what really is in the heart of people, even though it appears to be right. But yet the question is the heart. This is what this is about. It's all about the heart. And you are all sowers of the seed. You are all going to spread the word of God, but you are the messengers. You're not the savior. You understand? And so you can't control how the seed is received by the audience that you give it to. And so what happens here is that the seed is germinated and immediately it looks leafy. Leafy. But there's no root. You understand? There's no root. And within a short period of time, it withers and dies. And the essence of Christianity, you see, is long-term walking. Not quick. Not quick. But long-term walking where we face the vicissitudes of life. The ups and down. You understand? It's not a rose garden. Those of you who have been Christians your whole life, you know so many of you have been through issues in life where things have gone in a difficult way. Well, that's the way it is. Well, when the soil, when the seed goes to this kind of soil and it blossoms and looks leafy, well, within a short period of time, it, it dies and withers away. It's not there for long-term growth. Now, the third category is weed-infested soil. Weed-infested soil. Uh, and this is soil that's full of thorns and thistles uh, and all kinds of weeds that are useless for agricultural purposes. Useless. Uh, in fact, they're harmful to the crop. You cannot have a useful growing crop if you're planting that crop in that kind of a field. The seed will never mature to a healthy plant. It cannot because it's going to be choked out by these thorns and thistles. Uh, and it's deceptively, uh, really deceptively pleasing on its face and promising, but that's not the case because you plow it. And when you plow it, the weeds that are there get plowed under. And on its surface, it looks like it's well cultivated. It looks like a good soil. But underneath, there's nothing good going on. You understand? Those weeds have just been turned upside down. They continue to grow. We all know this from your lawns, that the only way to get the, feeds, the weeds out of a lawn is to yank them out by their roots. Well, they're still there. And so these dense roots 
and seeds are left over from the weeds uh, and ready to spring forth as soon as there's moisture and will suck out the growth from the healthy plants. Uh, and so they will block the sunlight. There cannot be growth in this area. Uh, and so you see, and, and you come across people like this, meaning what? I got a million things going on in my life. You understand? I'm busy with my kids. I'm busy with my family. I'm busy playing golf. I'm even busy in church. I'm on committees. I don't have the time really to hear uh, the gospel preached. I don't need to do that. I'm already going to church. I'm a member of this church. I've been going to church for years. Don't give me this. I don't need to hear that. Well, guess what? That's the soil that's filled with weeds. You understand? When, when somebody says, I don't need to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ preached, that's, that's the litmus test. I don't care who you are, where you go to church, what you're doing in life, nothing Nothing, no activity, no family relationship, nothing in your life is more important than understanding the will of God and understanding the word of God. You cannot walk away from this. This is a key element of life. Each and every one of you have to fess up to this as you look to God. Look, we're all busy. We're all busy. In fact, I said to my wife, I'm busier now at 72 than I was when I was 40. And you know, here's the essence of Naples. The essence of Naples is you get up in the morning with nothing to do, and by the end of the day, you only did half of it. <laughs> That's a fact. You know that. I'm looking at a room full of busy people. But here's the thing. Here's the thing. We got to spend the time to hear the word of God. You have to spend the time to study the word of God. Why do you think my radio programs are out there every day? Is that for my health? It's not for my health. I'm not getting paid for that. But I'm trying in some way to spread the word of God. That somebody, someplace will hear a word that will touch their life. That's what it's about. And so don't tell me that you're busy that you don't need to hear it. You've heard it before. Oh, he's telling that parable about the soil. I've heard it a million times before. Let me tell you something. You have heard it a million times before, but the Holy Spirit is here today. And there is a present truth for you in this message today. Not by me, but by God. That's what the Holy Spirit is about. Amen? Let's understand that. That's what this is about. Uh, and, and so you understand it. So Jesus says that finally, the last type of soil is the fertile soil. That soil that's been prepared, that the weeds have been pulled out, that has been plowed and prepared, that has been watered. And in that soil, when the seed is, pl is placed out there, the, seal, the seed will go down deeply into the soil. It will go in because the soil has been prepared. It will stay out of the presence of birds. Uh, it'll stay away from the presence of weeds. Uh, in every sense, it is a prepared soil. And let's understand something. Jesus said that when that condition takes place, when that seed is planted, it will grow into a, an abundant crop, crop. It will increase a 100-fold percent. That was a staggering profit during that period of time, a 100-fold percent 
a staggering prophet. And so you see here what happens when we understand the sowing of the word of God. It's not the sower. The seed is the same. But depending upon the ground, there's all differentiations in the way it is received. Uh, And so this becomes an important thing for you to understand. And so Jesus is teaching us that, that our growth and maturity in the kingdom of God is all about the soil. Is the soil prepared? Is the soil appropriate? Uh, and, and so Jesus is then saying to his audience, you who have ears to hear, listen to the word of God. And so if you were there in that first century and heard this, uh, you would hear this, and, and you would look for the true significance of what Jesus is teaching. Now, the parable needs to be explained, and Jesus will give us an explanation of the parable, uh, and he will do that. Uh, and, but he said there to the crowd, you who have ears, ears, listen. Listen, you're hearing the word of God. And as you hear the word of God, reflect on it and pray about it. Pay attention with a believing heart. <clears throat> And say this, take heed, Jesus would say later, take heed as to how you hear. And so the disciples, you see, took him at his word. Uh, The 12 and those who were close in that group, because it wasn't just 12, but there was a small uh, party that traveled with Jesus, uh, asked him about the parable, uh, and Jesus would speak to them about that. Uh, And and in fact, in Luke verses 8, Luke chapter 8, verses 9 and 10, if you have that there, uh, Jesus picks up the story at this point. And he said his disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, the knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. Wow. In other words, they'll hear it, but they won't understand it. They'll see it, but they will be blind. Uh, and Jesus saying that that's purposely being done. That's purposely being done. Now, that citation that I just gave you comes out of Isaiah chapter 6. Why don't we turn there? And this this prompts me to say something about the Old Testament. I want you to understand something. There is one Bible. There's one Bible. It's divided up in terms of publishing between an Old Testament and a New Testament. But from Genesis to Revelation, there's one Bible. One word of God, consistent, unchanging, written by God written by the hand of God uh, through the pen of man, but written by God. So don't ever get to the point where you say, I don't need the Old Testament. Yes, you do, because the Old Testament prepares us for the New Testament. I met a very nice couple in church yesterday who told me that they go to a church where the pastor said uh, that he didn't believe the revelations was the word of God, really, uh, and he never intended to preach from it because uh, it was stories And he also said that he he hardly ever referred to the Old Testament because it was all replaced by the New Testament. And they said to me, what should we do? Should we stay there? 
And I said this, I can't tell you what to do. But if I were there, I would leave. Because that pastor is not abiding by the word of God. Because this book, every word and nuance in this book is from God. All right? From God. When you get to the point where you're going, I'll take one from column A and two from column B, you're denying the word of God. Do you understand? You can't do that. God doesn't want you to do this. This is the holy word of God. This is the road map to heaven. Do you understand? This is the road map to heaven. You want to get to heaven? You better get the road map. Because otherwise you're on your own way. And you know what Jesus said about that. No man cometh to the Father except through me. You understand? And this is through me, what I'm holding up. It is the Bible. And so Isaiah chapter 6 which, which Jesus is citing here, is where Isaiah is given his commission to go out and speak the word. Go out and spread the word. Just before these verses, uh, in, in verse 8, uh, Isaiah says, I am an unclean man. I have unclean lips. And God still sends him out. In verse 8, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying to Isaiah, whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, here am I. Send me, and I hope that's how all of you would say, send me, God, use me. And he said, go and tell the people. Now, look what he says to tell the people here. Be ever hearing, but never understanding. Be ever seeing, but never perceiving. Make the heart of this people calloused. Make their ears dull and close their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn and be healed. Then I said, for how long, Lord? And he answered, until the cities lie ruined and without inhabitants and the houses are left deserted and the fields ruined and ravaged until the Lord has sent everyone far away and the land is utterly forsaken. And though a tenth remains in the land, it will again be laid to waste. Don't you see here? This is the preparation for the people being sent into exile. You wonder why they were sent to spend years into Babylon? All right, do you understand this? It's because they refused to accept the word of God. Their ears were calloused. Their hearts were hardened. And this is what happens. This is what happens. And so Jesus is citing that very example that took place 700 years before uh, as he relates it now uh, to these Pharisees and religious elite and speaking to the disciples. Why am I speaking in parables? This is why I'm speaking in parables. Well, now, when Jesus speaks of mysteries, uh, and this is a fascinating subject, when Jesus speaks of mysteries, he's not talking about some Gnostic type of clandestine teaching uh, that only a certain element of advanced prophets would understand. I want you to understand that. When Jesus is speaking here of the mysteries of God, when the Bible speaks of the mysteries of God, it has a very straightforward, narrow meaning. Uh, and a biblical mystery is some truth that was totally obscured or hidden to those people in Old Testament time. It was hidden until Jesus came, until there was a new covenant. Uh, and some of these are, are important for you to know, uh, and I think it has relevance to this issue. Um, and, and so, first of all, one of the first mysteries would be that God would make the Gentiles part of the kingdom of God. The Gentiles. You remember those people? 
That's when we went out in the marketplace as Jews, and if we came across a Gentile, what would we do when we get home? We'd wash. We need a ceremonial washing. We came across unclean people. Well, guess what, my Jewish brethren? Now they have the same right as you do. Uh, and if you would, turn to Ephesians chapter 3. This is an example of the hidden mysteries of God uh, that have now been revealed to us. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 5. Which was not, let's start, in reading this then, verse 4, in reading this then, you will be able to understand my insight into the mystery of Christ. This is it. This is the mystery of Christ that God has given all of you in this room through the Holy Spirit, which was not made known to men in other generations as it has now been revealed by the Spirit to God's holy apostles and prophets. This mystery is that through the gospel, the Gentiles are heirs together with Israel, members together of one body, and sharers together in the promise of Christ Jesus. That's the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You didn't get that if you were strictly a Jew in the Old Testament. You didn't get that. It is only through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, through Jesus Christ, that that's a mystery that's now revealed. You understand? That's revealed. Uh, and you, you understand that even as Jesus is speaking about these parables. Uh, look also a couple pages later, Ephesians chapter 6. Take a look at that. Verse 19. Pray also for me, this is Paul, that whenever I open my mouth, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. The mystery of the gospel. And notice what he says here. Pray for me that words come to me. What is he talking about? He's not intelligent to come up with his own words? This is a guy with a massive education. Brilliant. Wherever he was, he was the smartest guy in the room. No, he understood. This is not the words of intellect. It's the words of God. It's the inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. God, you give me the words to let people see the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, the incarnation of Jesus Christ was likewise a mystery to turn, if you would, to Colossians chapter 4, verse 3. And pray for us too, this is Paul, that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Pray that I, pr that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation always be full of grace seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. <clears throat> and so there you see it, the mystery of Christ, the mystery of Christ uh, in every other way. And so what, is, what are these mysteries? Well, here's, here's the first one, that God would incarnate God himself, incarnate God himself in the form of a baby and come to this earth. For what purpose? To die on a cross. And so it was a mystery that Christ would come, that God himself would come in this form. It was a mystery why, why God would allow his son to be crucified on a cross. That was a mystery, you see. 
but God revealed it to you. He revealed it to you through the Holy Spirit. And so you see how those who hardened their hearts, whose ears were calloused, whose eyes were blinded, would never truly understand it because they didn't think they needed it. You understand? They didn't need it. We have everything we need. We have the temple. We have Moses. Yes, you have that. Basically, you have nothing. Your temple's gone. Uh, the Ten Commandments have been broken and dissolute uh, under your feet, and you have denied God himself who came there. Another, another mystery was the Holy Spirit. You understand? The Holy Spirit. You know, the, 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 the patriarchs in the Old Testament didn't fully understand the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit would come down on them periodically when they needed a special moment, but the Holy Spirit didn't invest itself in the hearts of the people. The Holy Spirit didn't do that until Pentecost, when God sent the Holy Spirit, who basically became the substitute for Jesus, who lives with us today, who is in every part of this world, who is filling this room right now, whose words are coming through my mouth. Yes, it's my lips, but it's the Holy Spirit that's delivering this. How do I know it? I know it because I can feel the presence of God pulling these words out of me. Sometimes I don't even have enough air to, to provide these words. And I'm not kidding around. And I know some of you are laughing, but you know it's true. All right? It's actually being propelled out of my mouth. I feel it the power of God, that God wants you to hear this message. This is the Holy Spirit, okay? This is not some philosophy expert getting up here and ruminating about some books I've read. I don't care about the books you've read. This is the only book that counts, you understand? This is the only book that counts. The word of God. And so there it is. Understanding the mystery of God that he's given you, that you understand it, that they didn't. All right? Here's another one. How about grace? How about grace? I had a friend of mine who was a brilliant Jewish lawyer. Devout Jew. And he would come in and talk to me about religion from time to time. And one day he said to me, you know, John, you know, he said, the big difference between you and me is that you have grace. Ira, I couldn't believe what he said. He pronounced something that was so profound that I don't think he really understood what he said. That's right, we have grace, and it's spelled Jesus. That's your grace, Jesus, the unmerited gift of God with you every day of your life so that when you fall, he lifts you up, that when you make a sin, he forgives you. They didn't have this in the Old Testament. The patriarchs didn't have it. They had to go in once a year and atone. You know the atoning. Read Leviticus 16 if you want to have your head explode about what it took on that day in order to walk into the Holy of Holies. And by the way, when the high priest goes in, let's put some bells on his robe because we had other guys that went in there and didn't atone right. And guess what? They didn't come out. We had to drag them out with a rope. All right? Where's the grace? But you understand now through the mystery of God, God has given us this grace. And then understand the cross, the cross, the mystery of a cross. How can the cross, how can the cross be so glorified? How can this hideous object 
of suffering and passion where criminals go and die. How can that cross be so glorious? It's because God has revealed it to you through the Holy Spirit that you are saved by that sacrifice on the cross. You understand? This is a mystery of God. This isn't revealed to the world. You think you speak to somebody in the world about this subject and they'll understand it? No, they won't. This again goes back to the soil. What kind of soil am I dealing with? Am I dealing with soil that's prepared, that's been plowed, that's ready to receive the word? And you've all had that. Your soil was all properly there. And so Jesus is ready to blow the lid off of all of the mysteries that have been contained by God until this time. Here's another mystery. How about the rapture? You want a mystery? How about the rapture? That one day, people will be two out in the field working, and all of a sudden, one will be disappeared, and the other will remain. How about the rapture that Jesus talked about? You understand? It's coming. Let me assure you, I wish it were here sooner rather than later, based on what we're facing. But I'm going to tell you something. The rapture is coming. That is a mystery of God that God has given to you through the Holy Spirit that has not been understood by the world in general. And so Jesus is ready to blow the lid off of all of this. He's speaking in parables. He's speaking in a way in which only those whose hearts are open, who are bowing before the throne of God to receive the word, who are humbled and submissive. How about the third day? How about the third day? A mystery of God. You know, I can teach for about a month on the third day, all right? Starting uh, from Abraham, right through the Bible, all the things that took place on the third day in which God is preparing the Jewish people. Be ready, something big is coming on the third day. Be ready, something incredible is coming on the third day. And then what? Jesus dies, and what happens on the third day? He walks out of the grave. That's the third day. That's the mystery of God revealed by the Holy Spirit that Jesus would blow the lid off. All of this, you see, all of this is going to be revealed by Christ even as he speaks in parables. All of it had been shrouded in symbolism and prophetic hints, but not truly revealed. And the unveiling of it was purposely subtle purposely subtle, so that only those who got it would be authentic believers of Jesus Christ, who were eager to learn the truth, uh, who had ears to hear, effectively the people who would get up Monday morning at 8 o'clock and come to hear a Bible teacher speak about God, who blew off golf, who blew off breakfast, but had the hunger to come and hear the word of God, you. And that's why God is revealing the mysteries of of his spirit to you, you who are getting it, you whose soil has been plowed, you who have received the word. This is a staggering privilege. Do you realize the privilege that you're getting? You're getting a privilege that Abraham, Moses, Moses, Isaac, and Jacob didn't get. They didn't get this but God gave it to you. God gave it to you. We could go through the prophets, Ezekiel, Isaiah, Jeremiah. None of them knew this, but God gave it to you. God gave it to you. 
and so this response of this parable, the listener's response, would really separate those who had a heart to believe, who had been called to believe from those who did not believe. And if you could, I want to close with 1 Peter chapter 1. You turn your Bibles to that. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 10. Concerning this salvation, this is Peter now, walk with Jesus for three years. Concerning this salvation, the prophets who spoke of the grace that was to come to you searched intently and with the greatest care trying to find out that time and circumstances to which the spirit of Christ in them was pointing when he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories that would follow. Yes, your Messiah would suffer, but there would be glories, a mystery. Verse 12, it was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves, but you when they spoke of the things that have now been told you by those who have preached the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, even angels long to look into these things. How about that? Even the angels didn't know. Even the angels wanted to know. Even the prophets wanted to know. Even as they preached the word, but knowing that the word that they preached were not for them, but for you. What a great God we have. Oh, what a privilege he has given us to be able to sit here and study and learn the mysteries of the Spirit of God, the mysteries of the kingdom of God. And that's why we study the parables. Can I get an amen? amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this lesson that you've given us. I thank you for your words, Father. I ask you that they continue to grow and resonate in our heart just like that seed planted on the good soil, Father. Be with our people. Protect them in every way and continue to bring them back next week as we continue to study your word as we put all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you all.